Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Movie Dicks Podcast. I am Gabriel Chavez. And I'm Paul Shandor. Today, we lubricate with some blood as we penetrate the 2004 straight-to-video BDSM horror movie called Blood Gnome. <laughs> but first, this is a comedy <laughs> podcast. If you have not seen the movie we're about to shit on and want to avoid spoilers, stop now. But if you don't care about spoilers and want to laugh and learn why this movie sucks so bad, kinbaku yourself in this plastic-lined room and don't worry about the knives we have. It's all part of the fun. Without further ado, let's hand it over to Pablo Francisco. <clears throat> When Daniel, a crime scene investigator, discovers the truth behind a series of bizarre sex murders, no one will believe him. I mean, we had talked about this movie last week when we were talking <laughs> with my wife, and she actually recommended this movie. My first question to her after watching this was, how the fuck did you come across this? Because, like, I couldn't... I couldn't you have to be looking real hard to find this look movie. hard to find this, yeah. So, she was saying that she had, like, apparently used to be at Blockbuster, and the 15 critic reviews that I saw this week, which were all on blogs, by the way, because it's not anywhere on any of these other fucking websites... Everybody was saying that they got it from a video store, like, back in the day when those were still a thing, you know what I mean? Yeah. And that it was on Netflix for available, like, to rent on DVD or whatever, when you were still doing the DVD-only plans or whatever. Oh, wow. And uh, that's where quite a few of these critics had seen it, but I was just like, so you walked into a video store, (laughs) (laughs) saw this, and thought it was a good option. But yeah, that's how Caitlin found out about it, and I was just like... (laughs) Just reading the plot synopsis, I'm like, why the fuck would... I mean, come on. Like, why the fuck would this... Why would anybody pick this up? But anyway, we'll get to all that in a second. So, this is an Amcel Entertainment release in association with Screen Media Films and Turning Point Films. The turning point for me was realizing that I had fucked up so badly that I was watching (laughs) Blood Gnome on YouTube... When I could be watching my shiny new Criterion Collection release of the Three Colors Trilogy, I made several choices to get here, and I regret most of them, but I digress. <laughs> Amcel Entertainment, surprisingly, is a kind of real releasing company for DVD, presumably, for this movie, where you can actually buy it on Amazon for 20 bucks. but fuck this movie. It's bad enough that they got my time. But anyway... These guys released the fun cult horror fan favorite Maniac Cop with a small role by Bruce Campbell and Shaft himself, Richard Roundtree. Did you ever see Maniac Cop, dude? No, I've never heard of it. I I dig that movie, man. Like, it's it's a stupid-ass movie, but, like, he kind of sandwiched it in between Evil Dead and Evil Dead 2. And it's, it's a weird moment in his career. And when you see it with Richard Roundtree, especially, like, what, six years post Shaft, you're kind of looking at it like... What the fuck? Who the? F- <laughs> but I mean, it's it's not a bad movie. But they also gave us Frankenhooker, so that's something, and uh, which I have not seen, by the way, and, and eighty-eight other titles, most of which I have never heard of, including the Basket Case trilogy and the Tiger Claw movies. No idea what oh. these are, but I simply <laughs> do not give a fuck. 
Have you heard of the Tiger Claw movies? It sounded for a second there that you were going to tell me that you had seen one of those. <laughs> Their worst movie is not Blood Gnome, surprisingly. It's a movie called The Legend of Diablo with a stunning 1.5 out of 10 on IMDb. Oh, but I'm staying away from that <laughs> at all fucking costs. No, seriously, dude, with with their I remember that I was reading about IMDB's like arithmetic score and how they like tabulate votes and shit like that because they give you a formula. If you go into like their rating system or whatever, you can see exactly how they weight their scores. And they give you their formula on how they do that, but even given their formula, in order to get below a 3.0, a fucking movie has to try to get below a 3.0 like you really need to try to get below that and to get to like the 1.5 or below 2 range like you really have to have a lot of vitriol coming towards your movie in order for it to be that low but anyway so screen media films is a real releasing company and that they gave us the excellent war movie the outpost from last year with the underrated actor caleb landry jones the badass Lovecraft cosmic horror flick Color Out of Space from the fired director of Island of Dr. Moreau, Richard Stanley. The god-awful movie The Jesus Rolls that I actually worked on. The decent indie flick Crown Vic that a bunch of my friends in Buffalo worked on. Shout out Cash Costner and Kevin Salonek who listen to this podcast. As well as the tourist alum Paul Bettany's misguided but well-acted movie starring wife Jennifer Connelly called Shelter. They also did a couple of Trailer Park Boys movies, which I have yet to see, but I hear are pretty funny. Have you seen Trailer Park Boys? Because it seems like this weird, like, cult comedy thing that yeah, people like. Yeah, it's, uh, it's dry Canadian humor. It's yeah. kind of funny, but it's like 20 seasons long or something <laughs> like that. <laughs> nice. Somebody, somebody was much. telling me to watch the other Canadian thing called uh, Kill Kenny or something like that, but... They were telling me that it's like their version of It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia <laughs> and that it was pretty yeah, good. And I was like, huh, I haven't gotten around to that. But anyway, moving on past just awful people place. doing doing awful, <laughs> awful things <shit>. and failing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but they also gave us the decent docudrama battle in Seattle with Charlize Theron, Ray Liotta, Woody Harrelson, and a shitload of other people. Check it out. It's been years since I've seen it, but I really liked it when I caught it in 2007. Oh, man. I want to know... Who's making the uh, the Chaz movie from uh, the summer? And, yeah, the uh, the police free zone that happened in. Uh, oh yeah, 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 yeah. Someone's yeah. gonna make a movie out, out yeah, of that sure, at some dude. point. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> you know how many fucking COVID movies are gonna come out of this too? Like, goddamn. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, I want to bring up a release that they did that sounds like a fucking train wreck. Okay, they released this movie called Obam Nude. Okay, O-B-A-M as an acronym, nude. It stands for Occidental Births a Monster Nude. I'll read the plot summary so you can get a <laughs> grasp of this thing, okay? So l listen to this, Paul. At Occidental College in 1981, a loner snorts cocaine and smokes marijuana, secretly hoping to one day become someone important. His dream and much more comes true when Satan appears promising the world. There is one caveat though, as a deal with the devil requires consideration. In this case, it's not the delivery of the young man's soul, but millions more. With an agreement procured, Satan and his new protege plot, plan, and scheme a long-term agenda that ultimately ends with the United States presidency <laughs> transforming the Earth's greatest democracy into a communist fiefdom ruled oh, by a ruthless yeah. dictator. 
Okay, <laughs> so if that's not the most insane, 2000, 2009, I think, 2008, mm-hmm. 2009. Maybe, maybe Q helped pen that. Yeah, 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 yeah no <laughs> doubt. But if that's not the most insane, let's hate on Democrats bullshit that I've ever read, I don't know what is. Like, this isn't a documentary either, Paul. This is a narrative where a white guy plays the Obama surrogate, and it has an entirely white cast. I'll leave that right there, but this shit is nuts. Check out the trailer if you get a chance. It's something else. I just sat there like, what the fuck, man? That was released by the same company that did this movie. But anyway, Turning... Turning Point Films did a documentary called Everest that was shot in IMAX and released back when IMAX theaters were only documentary theaters. And this movie. What the fuck? Seriously. I'll say it again. What the fuck? How do they go from an IMAX doc to this? What the fuck, dude? They like diversity, I guess. I guess. But they've only done three titles, man. Three titles. And this is one of them. (laughs) What the fuck? Anyways, <laughs> it's a wide range of uh, no doubt, no doubt. Three people produced this fucking thing. Okay, the first producer is the lead actor. Yeah, it's one of those movies. His uh, name, no. his name. I figured him for the writer director, but I was wrong on that. Yeah, you're wrong. Yeah, yeah. So, okay. his name is Vinny Balanchio, and I'll circle back to his acting career in a moment, <laughs> or rather, the broken condom of disappointment that he calls oh. a career. <laughs> He produced a movie called Werewolf in a Women's Prison, Blood-Sucking Strippers, <laughs> and, gi- and Giantess Attacks. I just don't know or give a fuck. Like, dude, you're a fucking hack. Quit acting and kill yourself already. God damn it. Like, this is, I'm going to be really personal about this movie because I felt like, okay, there's bad movies and there's hack shit and there's like <laughs> stupid like horror movies, but this was like an assault on like good taste throughout this movie and I was just pissed throughout a majority of it. The other two producers don't matter as I am sure that no one has heard of them and their efforts probably have made their families embarrassed that they know them. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> this, this movie stars no one. That's it. No one I've ever seen, give a shit about to look at more work from, or even care to talk about. But I will talk about leading man Vinny, who looks like a fucking child molester. His most watched movie is something called Sorority House Massacre, and he was in an episode of Babylon 5. Do you give a fuck, Paul? Because I don't. Fuck this guy. I hope it n- he never works again. Fuck you, Vinny. Did you watch Babylon 5, by the way? That was one that I never got into. I did. I did. It was a pretty okay. good uh, good show from the 90s. I mean, would I watch it again? Decent sci-fi. Yeah, decent sci-fi. But it probably filled a Tuesday night when you were, what, 12? Something like yep. That? Yep. Exactly. <laughs> Down at like 9 o'clock on Wednesday night or something like that. Dude, it yeah. is It is so strange to me in this day and age of like streaming and all these different services that you would want. Like if you go back and you watch some of these shows that you used to like when you were younger, you'd be like, I would never have gone near this if the fact didn't remain that I had like 12 channels growing up (laughs) (laughs) and I had nothing else to do. The girl who sports a Betty Page haircut and is named Divinity is a hairdresser in real life. Yeah. And now mm-hmm. she's an actress who went fully and nude I've in her first her performance ever. <laughs> <seen your tits. sighs> 
but whatever, you know. I mean, are you proud of that, Melissa Persley? Seriously, if you're out there, are you proud of this, Melissa Persley, that you showed your tits <laughs> and half of your bush for this goddamn movie? Seriously. But the only person... <laughs> I mean, maybe it did it's a real question. It's a real question, dude, right? So... The only person who might be recognizable is Julie Strain. She plays the BDSM goddess near the end of the party scene that shows up with the twins. She's been in 134 movies and died in 2020 at the age of 58 from dementia, apparently, which is fucking tragic, by the way. But, I mean, that's that's a whole other thing. But... She was in Beverly Hills Cop 3 as Annihilator Girl. I don't remember that movie well enough in order to remember her in it. Okay, so when Eddie Murphy goes to the weird out gay guy, Franz, or something. Damn it, I can't remember. But he buys... Franz, he, yeah. Franz, whatever. He gets the weird-ass gun that has a boombox in it, mm-hmm. but uh, she's standing next to it like advertising it or whatever oh okay all right all right all right she also lent her voice to heavy metal 2000 which i i remember bits and pieces of heavy metal 2000 but i was mostly angry at watching that movie because (laughs) it just lacked anything that made the first one interesting and she was a dominatrix in naked gun 33 and a third which i i don't remember that either i mean i remember naked gun 33 and a third but i don't remember the dominatrix Mm -hmm. it's weird being typecast as a dominatrix yeah yeah but apparently that's the thing (laughs) oh like ah that girl from that uh movie where she's all bound up in the leather and uh yeah but i mean to be fair the reason why she's in these roles as these girls is that she was a penthouse model so that's something and and get this paul while she was a penthouse model she was a stand-in for gina davis in thelma and louise so yeah not sure what the fuck but i don't know how you land on that dude like was the was the penthouse industry not doing too well in 1990 and they needed a stand-in for gina davis who gets paid basically minimum wage at that time in order to fucking stand in for gina davis while they light the scene like for real i don't i don't fucking understand this decision but besides the fact is that what a stand-in does? They just yeah. Stand so there and... a stand-in literally is the same complexion and height as the person who is like in the movie, and they bring them in. They're called second team, but they bring them in, and we light the scene with them. And then once it's lit, we dismiss them and we bring in the real um, actor in order to do what they need to do. Yeah, so that yeah, way, the actor is not sense. sitting around on set, you know, like just Dude, having people off. light them and shit. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Being blinded uh, slowly, <laughs> getting their retinas burned out. Maybe. Yeah, uh, but this this movie also stars some porn twins named the Porcelain Twins. That's with a Z, people, by the way. But a quick glance on Pornhub <laughs> yields nothing. So happy hunting, perverts. I mean, I, I couldn't find these girls online, but besides the fact, you gotta go maybe they were deep VHS archives. That's what I'm saying. Maybe shit. they were part of that like VHS porno age. I figured like, that it was like. A porn crew in their spare time filming this <laughs> movie. Like, yeah, movie. we're gonna we'll make a real movie this time. That's what it really felt like to me, man. <laughs> but anyway, so this movie was written and directed by the reanimated pile of dog shit known as John Lachago. This was his directorial debut, by the way, and he has done seven other movies past this. He did do visual effects for Mimic 2, that's his biggest claim to fame. 
And he's done a bunch of shit I don't ever care to see, including three movies about a killer demon clown called Killjoy and some <laughs> other bullshit. I'll reiterate what I said to Vinny. John, I hope you choke on a fucking olive pit and die. <laughs> Fuck yourself. <laughs> if you're going to direct, try to make something that makes sense. Please. Throwing images at the screen does not qualify as a movie. This movie was released on video on the 27th of March, 2004, and was produced on a budget of $13.1 million. What? Joking! Oh, joking! Okay. Uh, it was made for the money that the jerk-offs could find in their couch cushions and from their day jobs. <laughs> A total, a total of $12,400. I cannot find any info on this movie as to sales or anything, so apologies are due this week as I do not have any interesting data to offer you this week. Blood Gnome has a 3.1 out of 10 on IMDb with 638 votes and is not on Metacritic or RottenTomatoes.com. This movie ranks lowest amongst females aged 18-29 with a 1.7 out of 10 and highest amongst females aged 30 to 44 with a 3.7 out of 10. Not sure why, but this week I want to personally tie, cut apart, and feed their blood to my own crated monster to the 52 people who voted this movie a perfect fucking 10 on IMDb. Okay. Come yeah. on. <laughs> Fuck you. Fuck you. I would cut them apart. No no doubt. 52 people, I could slaughter them pretty Goddamn. quickly. Goddamn trolls. Trolls. <laughs> My vote stands with the 189 other votes or a whopping 29.6% of the voters on IMDb who gave this a 1. If any movie deserves a negative score, it's this one. My favorite reviews this week I had to track down on external critic sites. Most of them blogs, by the way. <laughs> the first one comes from John Daly of Cinema Spin Blogspot. John Suckles, quote, The puppets are crap, but the gore is pretty damned impressive, particularly the wounds caused by the invisible gnomes. The title sequence is artistic and got me all hot and bothered, but then the film actually started and had to ruin my happy, warm feelings. The acting is of porn star quality, which is fitting because no, there is so much BDSM stuff going on, it began to feel like a softcore advertisement by the end. The most natural actor in the whole film is the BQG, actually called Alandra, who is played by a stunt woman, so that should tell you the quality of this baby. End quote. Original score, two out of five gravity-defying, but all-natural divine divinities. <laughs> this guy writes the movies in tits, by the way. <laughs> it's, dude, the research that I did this week led me down some really interesting paths, man. I'll tell you what. So, real film reviews staff slashes, quote, as far as straight-to-video horror flicks go, you could probably do a lot worse than Blood Gnome. Having said that, though, the film is peppered with a whole host of problems, including cheap, low-rent visuals, awful supporting performances, and entirely unconvincing monsters that eventually turn into in an interminable experience. Original score, 1.5 out of 4 stars. Lastly, Zach Green of WickedHorror.com slurps down, quote, None of the acting in this movie is good, but at least it's entertaining. Certain characters really ham it up, while others may as well be reading from cue cards. Priceless. 
The pace is relatively quick and that helps things out a lot. This is a bizarre low budget creature feature with poor acting, a sloppy script, and production value that makes it look like somebody's home movie. But at least it's not boring. Sometimes that's enough. I'm not going to pretend like this is some hidden gem, but it's certainly memorable. It's on Netflix, so if you're having a party, this might be worth tossing on and rifling while you crap up, crack open a couple dozen beers. <laughs> Original score, Cult Corner Certified Treasure. They don't do ratings as they surmise, quote, here at Cult Corner, we cover the weird and obscure. Given the low budget that these movies often have, we feel the need to recognize that entertainment value and quality aren't always synonymous. That's why we have opted for the trash or treasure approach in lieu of a typical rating system. After all, Troll 2 is incredibly entertaining, but it's no 8 out of 10, end quote. <laughs> So lastly, Blood Gnome is 87 flagellating minutes long and is rated R for strong sexual content, violence, gore, and language. I don't know how they afforded an MPAA rating on this motherfucker, to be honest with you, at a $12,000 budget. Like, what the yeah. fuck? Yeah, why would you even pay for that? I mean, they were going to release it on DVD, though, during the time, and it needed to get into video stores, mm. so maybe it had some weird rule with Blockbuster that they don't rent unrated content or mm. something like that. I don't remember Blockbuster well enough in order to remember if they had NC-17 rated movies, no, to be honest with you, or unrated movies, for that matter. God forbid Grandma goes and picks up Midnight Cowboy or something like that, <laughs> or whatever it's called. So, Paul... Polyurethane is a wonderful material. Combine that with ABS plastic and you have an excellent material that can withstand some of the hardest hits from a lot of materials. Better than ABS is carbon fiber, which are woven strands of graphite fiber combined with a plastic resin and then baked. They form a lightweight and extremely tough material approximately 22 times stronger than the plastic counterpart and is less than half the weight. Surprisingly enough, this leads us to Chris Snyder of the Arizona Diamondbacks. <laughs> so, you see, Chris was about to learn just how important ABS, polyurethane, and carbon fiber can be. It's June 30th, 2008, Paul, as a night game on grass against the Milwaukee Brewers begins at 6.40 p.m. as 23,040 fans look on at Chase Field in the absolute hellscape dump that is Phoenix, Arizona. <laughs> That's only 47.49% full, by the way. Besides the fact that Phoenix is laid out as if a blind man was to draw a map of L.A. even at almost 7 p.m. <laughs> this Monday evening, it is still 99 degrees outside. <laughs> it's the bottom of the second is Chris, the 235-pound, 6'4 tall righty from the sweaty taint of Texas known as Houston, squats behind home plate as if the can of wolf brand chili that he ate is about to fire extinguish its way out of his <laughs> balloon eye. <laughs> Diamondbacks pitcher... Chad Qualls stands on the mound as Brewers hitter Corey Hart does his best to hit the ball. As he roundhouses his bat like Swayze, Hart can only manage to tip the ball as a foul as it bounces off the ground and directly into Chris Snyder's ball sack. You see, Paul, Chris didn't believe in cups like I don't believe in God. It's such a non-issue that I simply do not concern myself with such things. It was then that Chris was reminded of the legendary Bill Duke's line in Menace to Society. You know you done fucked up, right? <laughs> <laughs> Before reading and seeing Chris's injury this week, I was unaware that a testicle could fracture. 
the ground ball that popped up into his groin fucking exploded his left testicle like a fucking water balloon, putting him out for 15 days of disability with the league. Look, I know it's not cool to be safe, like to wear a helmet when you're riding a motorcycle like Gary Busey, or to wear a cup like Chris Snyder's case. If it were up to me, if someone was to be hurling a five-ounce chunk of hardened leather at 100 miles an hour anywhere near my delicate groin, I would wear some sort of protection. Hell, as a grown man of 27 years of age at this moment in question, I think Chris's mind would be constantly on his balls and dick and what he might be doing with them after the game rather than how uncool it is to wear a cup. Just saying, one fucking kick in the nuts and I never want to fucking experience that pain again. But no, this fucking moron thought he was too cool for a cup, and his shattered left testicle is an ever-present <laughs> reminder of how he doesn't have the sense that God gave goats. We flash back in time, Paul, as you stand in Chris Qualls' shoes, Corey Hart in the batter's box. This is just another pitch. Strike this motherfucker out, you think, with no idea as to what is about to transpire as you wind up and you pitch this motherfucker to me, Paul. Just fucking get everything. Get all the money from under the couch. I got some of the wall. We're going to fucking make a movie right now. Right now. We're, right we now. Got, we got right now? Stars. Yeah, right now. Right now. Okay, I got, okay, okay. I got my, my friend's DV camera. Mm -hmm, I got mm -hmm. some some lamps we can use for lighting. And great, I got great, best great, great. actors and actresses in East Hollywood right here. <laughs> right East here. Hollywood. No idea what that fucking neighborhood is. <laughs> Continue. <laughs> Continue. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna make a movie. It's called Blood Gnome. Can you just imagine that? Up on the screen, big dark letters, Blood Gnome. <laughs> and you know, it's gonna be it's gonna be a, a tits and ass fest right here. We're gonna have some of the best <laughs> softcore porn actresses in here showing their tits and their nice. asses. Nice. Just everything, everything. It's gonna be amazing. The set, it's it's gonna be at my house most of the time. But, you know, we also got a warehouse that we we borrowed from my guy. He, he owns a shipping company. And, and right now, tonight, it's empty. And, you know, we have five hours to shoot the BDSM scene before he has to okay. fill it up with okay. dildos. Oh, Just God. boxes and boxes of dildos. Oh, God. Thousands of pounds of dildos. So we got to get in there <laughs> before before the space is occupied. But okay. we okay. got a five-hour window. So we got everything we need. Ah shit! Uh, I need a microphone. Uh, Fuck it, we don't need one of the microphone. No, you can use the one in the camera, man. Fuck it, we don't need. <laughs> All right, yeah, that's cool. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah, that's cool. That's cool. All right, you got this. Great. You got this. Great. Ah shit, man! I only have twelve dollars in the couch. That's all I could find. Yeah, that's all we need, man. Just that enough. Get us through a few days, yeah, that should be fine. Just <laughs> enough to buy pizza. Yeah, it's good. <laughs> <laughs> So, Paul, uh, you, I had never seen this movie, and neither did you, presumably. Never heard of it. <laughs> never would have. But. Ever. I mean, just looking at it <laughs> from a YouTube, like, perspective, I would have never even clicked on it, because I know better. <laughs> I know your better. wife, she, she had wife, to tell yeah. us to watch it. Look, all right, look, I love are. my wife. I love my <laughs> wife. But this, this recommendation... 
was a visual assault on my eyes and my brain and everything else. And it makes me seriously call into question what she's been watching over the years. <laughs> I had never seen this movie before, and my gut reaction was that I hated every single second that I saw of this movie. Like, I, I went to film school, if it's not clear, but I went to film school before going into my career in the film industry, and... I saw student films that were better than this, that were shot on a no-budget like file. My dude, Alex Payne, I don't know if I ever showed you his movie that he did. He did a feature for his like senior thesis in college, and uh, it's fucking brilliant, dude. It really is, and I, I gotta send it to you, actually. It's really, really good shit. But, like, he shot that on literally no budget, you know, like, whatever he could scrap together in order to pay for food for the actors or whatever. And, like, that shit is dope. Like, he actually had a script, though, and he actually had a good idea. <laughs> and he's a talented director. On top of having the name of, like, an Academy Award winning director, but besides the point, is that he... Yeah, yeah. no, people might confuse him for yeah. somebody else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But... my favorite. <laughs> <laughs> But I mean, you you've met him and you you've worked with him before. I think like we we've yeah. done a couple of movies with him. But he's a, he's a great guy and I love him to death. But like he knows what he's doing and he made it for like nothing compared to this pile of shit. And this guy actually had supposedly twelve thousand dollars to do this. And twelve thousand dollars got this guy this movie that looks like it was made literally, like we said, out of the fucking change that he could find in his couch cushions. Like I don't know what the <laughs> fuck. How did twelve thousand dollars even get spent on most that? of that money went paying the actresses? that show their tits. I'm pretty sure that's where all the money went. That's probably the main yeah, actor yeah. probably worked for nothing. Right. Just just to get his name out there. Right. But, yeah. I feel like I feel like what's her name? Miss Strain probably got a lot of money too out of that twelve thousand because she was like a known penthouse, whatever, you know. <laughs> but she's only in the movie for like five seconds. That's all they could that. afford, man. I mean that was probably <laughs> six thousand of that. Hundred bucks whatever. Are you guys proud of this movie? If anybody's listening that worked on this, I, I really want to know. Probably hard work. <laughs> I can see a lot of the late nights that uh, all of the like weird shit projects that we worked on. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. The bad sounds, the constant battle with shitty sound. God damn, I hate fucking bad sounds so yeah. much. <laughs> yeah, it's terrible. It's half the fucking movie, man. I mean, people don't really take that into account until you see a terrible movie like this that has shit sound and you're like god damn like jesus christ but anyway so what was your gut reaction paul upon witnessing this absolute aids infested thing that we watched this week <laughs> what was your gut reaction so i thought it was a softcore porn that kind of at some point morphed into a uh, kind of horror movie <laughs> but yeah, I figured it was like a like Cinemax they started with Skinamax type shit, yeah, and they ended yeah. up tacking on the horror movie shit. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> right off the bat, they, I mean, they they're just like tits, ass, bush, like right off the bat. I'm like, okay, is that what this movie's gonna be? Cinemax yeah. kind of thing, and <laughs> yeah, basically, <laughs> but with bad puppets, I guess. More, Dude, more. Talk about a turnaround of a fucking company, man. Like, Cinemax went from softcore porn to, like, having Academy Award-nominated actors in their, like, original TV shows and shit. And, like, <laughs> dude, The Nick was on Cinemax, and The Nick is one of the best fucking television shows that I think has ever existed, and that was on fucking Cinemax. Like, to go from softcore... I remember watching Cinemax when I was, like, 
14 and it was like some weird softcore porno at like three in the morning about like chicks in like a women's prison and they're like showering and going down on each other and that's what i always thought cinemax was and so to my surprise you know like when dexter came out i was like oh shit they're like actually a fucking oh that's showtime you're right i'm sorry (laughs) fuck you then cinemax (laughs) what do you got bro anyway so right off the bat paul we open up on a dude that is clearly lit in a dim room (laughs) as he calls out quietly for someone who is clearly right behind him. But <laughs> she answers and he says, oh, there you are. This is Tommy Wiseau level of filmmaking oh, yeah. gold here. They got the smoke only- machine though, man. That's like <laughs> production quality That's production shit. quality. <laughs> Not to mention that there's like a huge amount of headroom above them and they shot this whole fucking movie four by three and I was like, oh God, like it's one of those DV movies. <laughs> <laughs> We're only 38 seconds into the movie, and I'm already like, Jesus Christ, like, what did I get myself into? But, so, Paul, if you were in a dark room with a crate that has a light coming out of it, and it's clear (laughs) air holes for the teethy thing breathing inside of it, would your first thought be, let me open this box and poke my head in? Probably not, because we aren't clever screenwriters like these people, obviously. But woman in the suit who comes up later she's one of the main characters woman in a suit says you're you're the drug dealer right you have your instructions you don't sell to the bdsm community is this a tie-in movie with 50 shades of gray i feel like this I is like a perfect feel like it's a prequel or something yeah <laughs> oh dude maybe actually... she was the the dom for uh what's his name jeff christian gray. yeah yeah yeah, yeah. jeffrey gray jeffrey epstein yeah, there you go. Yeah. Oh God, <laughs> it's a dark return all of a sudden. <laughs> Jesus Christ! All right, so right away, a lot of Full Metal Bush, like Paul was saying, and nipples in this opening. Like that's fun, at least you know. At least there's that. Yeah. If only I mean, song over that, the open- that gives this at least one more star. Just the fact that they deliver on the goods in the movie. Full Metal Bush <laughs> right away. <laughs> yeah, it's the but, title sequence, and it's, yeah, yeah, but. If only the song over the opening <laughs> credits had more than three notes in it. That was like one of the hardest thing about the opening credits for me is like I'm sitting there and I'm watching the Full Metal Bush going on. And I'm like, okay, sure. But the song that the original score like was and it's like this fucking three notes over and over and over again. <laughs> it's fucking irritating. <laughs> I've got a MIDI keyboard. I can make yeah. a, I can make, make a, a You're a film composer, yeah. <laughs> Dude, but this guy starts getting torn apart by an unseen foe, right? But despite the gore sounds and screaming three feet away from this woman, she can't see or hear the killer creature. Like, this guy is literally screaming behind her (laughs) and, like, getting torn apart. And she's, like, looking through the dresser for what I can only assume is some sort of sex toy. And she turns around and she's like, oh, my God, like, three (laughs) feet away, three feet away, and you can't hear this shit. But anyway, so the editor of this movie, dude, cannot seem to know that you only cut to the person that is speaking and not the person reacting to the speaking. That happens several times throughout this movie. Is it we're on a reaction shot as somebody is speaking and then they cut back to the person that's speaking after they stop speaking in order to react to what the other person is speaking? I'm like, God damn it. That's not how film editing works. Like, I don't want to look at reaction shots, you know, like it's not okay. They were probably editing around missed lines. Like, there's a couple points where you're like, 
the actors start speaking their lines and then they pause with like a blank look on their face and then they continue because you're like, oh, they almost forgot their lines there. <laughs> but dude, the DP of this movie clearly doesn't know how to avoid the edge lights in the ceiling because they're like constantly showing the light source directly in the shot or that when you do a boom up shot, it should start on something interesting, not a bush like outside of the fucking murder scene where they start literally on a bush and they boom up to a cop whose head is above the frame. I don't understand what's going on here. I'm like, God damn it, man. Like, they rented the, the boom for a day and they had to use it for something. Dude. All right. Look, like I feel that if you give anybody a camera that they know more than what this DP was doing. I'm so confused at what was happening. It's like, God damn it, man. But also, this DP doesn't know how to shoot anything beyond a super close single and a two shot. Like, yeah. these people are uncomfortably close all the um, time in this movie. Did you see that, that, that throughout the movie, they got the wide angle close up action where they, where they got the, the wide angle adapter for whatever DV cam <laughs> they had and they screwed it on and they're like, yeah, <laughs> this is crazy cool. Great shit. Yeah, it's like a skateboarding music video, bro. It's so bad. <laughs> but throughout this movie, I feel like I need to like push people away from the camera. I'm like, dude, like back up a little, back man. Up a little bit. <laughs> God Jeez. damn. I'm a little, a little too close here. Like, it's fine if you're doing, like, bush or, like, tits or, like, a gore shot. That's fine. But if it's somebody speaking, I don't want to see eyebrows to chin. You know what I mean? Like, just back up a little bit. But after a really uncomfortably terrible scene with an overacting actress trying her best to play a cop and breaking pervert photographer's camcorder, he turns it back on and reveals that there is a predator-style creature hiding in plain sight. The setup! <gasps> That's the setup! Oh my god, how did they do that? But this black and white flashback to the model wanting to fuck the pervert photographer is definitely bad porn filmmaking. This is them setting up like the wife character, which I didn't understand. Especially since his phone somehow is ringing from the time that they laugh at her like getting tickled or whatever in the bed at whatever the fuck is in the envelope, which she says yes to. Presumably him asking her to marry her. And them being asleep. Like, seriously, if you watch that scene again, the phone starts ringing as he pulls out the envelope and it's day, and then it cuts to a night scene where they're asleep and the phone's still ringing. Like, his <laughs> phone is ringing for, like, several hours during this. I'm like, dude, what the fuck? What is happening? But another murder scene, as we reveal, he is seeing more creatures on his camera that are invisible to the naked eye, right? But no one is noticing his distress at the murder scene. He's like, oh, my God. You know, and like everybody's like, nobody even looks at him and is like, are you all right? Like, what the fuck's going on with you? Why didn't he have the record button going either? Yeah, I no, know. Right? I don't know, man. It's like they're documenting the scene, but somehow he wasn't recording it. Like yeah. Some of these little guys running around. And, I mean, I have so many questions. <laughs> I have so many questions related to his profession in this movie. But one of them is is how is how is the photographer the lead investigator somehow? Like CSI <laughs> is asking him to do research on the BDSM community as if he's going to find the killer. Like he's a fucking crime scene photographer. Like he is an evidence collection team. He is not an investigator, but it's they a very task specific him. job to do. Yeah. <laughs> That's they it. task him with trying to find the killer. And I'm like, what the fuck is going on? 
This is like basic filmmaking shit, though, man. Like, this is them trying to find a reason why a guy taking crime scene photos would have to be the lead character. And I'm like, he's not. He's not the lead character. <laughs> Focus on the CSI agent who's actually looking into the shit. But the female drug dealer in the suit at the beginning returns, and she starts tossing around her drug dealer in what looks like a utility closet because there's fucking water heaters in there and finds empty <laughs> canisters of her drugs on him. So she tells him, no drugs, no money, do you have anything else that is worth my time? Only to launch into a Skinamax-worthy sex scene with more <laughs> terrible horror porn music. So this is a real question, all right? These are like these little paintballs that she fills with the drug, which we'll get to later on how she gets this drug because it is a fucking like <laughs> something how she gets this drug. But so there are these little paintball canisters that presumably people take like pills. So why would he have a bunch of like empty paintball canisters if he's been using the drug that he's supposed to be distributing? That's what I'm confused by. You don't crack these open and suck down... I mean, what the fuck are the rules here, man? Like, this is basic uh, shit. Yeah, I don't think they ever show anyone using the drugs or what happens when you use them or why you use them. It's just called X times 10. That's what it's called. (laughs) I don't know. Maybe you, like, poke a hole in it and squeeze it into your mouth or something. Maybe. I mean, I could see that. It's a... What kind of fucking... Or shove it up your ass like suppository. (laughs) Oh, God. Like, uh, what's it called? The That episode of Mr. Pickles where that guy is, like, shoving sour tart candies up his ass in order to, like, <laughs> oh, my God. That is a horrifying show, by the way. I've seen yeah. some fucked up shit in my life, but yeah. Jesus Christ. But anyway, so the drug dealer looks like a teller from a bank, right? But he, it's like he's a really, really poor casting choice. This is like an example, which I'm not above, by the way, because I've done it plenty of times before, is casting random people in your life in order to play this random <laughs> role in some dumbass movie that you're making. But she pulls a huge dagger out that is clearly dull on the tip as they go in for the close-up, right? Like, I want to know who put up money for this movie. Seriously. Like, she cuts his throat and leaves him to the gnomes to devour him as she says, take him to mother, right? Which is presumably the creature in the box that we had seen previously. We cut to the pervert photographer buying infrared film and then to him talking on the phone to get his camera repaired. Like, I hope they aren't implying that the camcorder that he has shoots film because that's not how this thing works. You know, like he doesn't really use his fucking film camera. And that's the worst thing, dude, is that they talk about his camcorder being able to like shoot infrared or whatever and like see through that girl's blouse and shit. But then they talk about the infrared film and I'm like, this is not how infrared works. Like infrared doesn't, you can't see through things. It's not an x-ray camera. There was a big scandal back in the day when uh, Sony came out with their like budget night vision cameras. And there's very specific kind of fabric and lighting that would be more transparent in the infrared. And so... Is this a real uh, thing? You're not joking. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm not joking. Not joking. <laughs> so, you know, blouses could be see-through or okay. more see-through, but it had to be a specific fabric, right? <laughs> and so that was a thing back in the day. What happened to that, by the way? Like, every camera had infrared and a night vision mode. All camcorders had that, but, like, now there's yeah, none yeah. of that. 
on any camcorder or camera. Like, what happened to that? It was just like a thing for a minute. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. They, uh, probably the pixel filters that they use on the cameras changed for, for better image quality, and they couldn't just leave them as letting infrared pass through anymore or something like that. Um, I don't know. But anyway, so camera expert. <laughs> a camera historian that would know this yeah. kind of thing. But dude, he goes on an online chat platform for BDSM where he simply types <laughs> in like a narc, by the way. Hello, everyone. <laughs> Can someone tell me about BDSM? The messages flood in as if he has stumbled upon a secret society that needs to guard its <laughs> non-protected chat line. Like he didn't even have to register. All he did was click chat. And if this is some secret society that the gnomes are trying to infiltrate, which obviously the gnomes are using you know, later in the fucking chat. I'm like, dude, why are they being so cryptic about it when it's an open chat line? Like, this isn't some secretive society of underground sex dungeon type shit. This is just click on the chat button and everybody is fucking chatting all of a sudden. I was confused by this moment. It's just the magic of the internet, man. Dude, this is 2004. You could go <laughs> online and learn everything that there is to know about fucking BDSM shit just by watching a few videos and reading a few articles online. Why did he go to one website and start chatting with people? On top of the fact that the setup for this premise is completely fucking stupid. <laughs> I don't understand. But we cut to the last message saying, quote, maybe you should talk to someone who knows about these things, end quote, as he has an awful reaction shot where he gasps and remembers he has Divinity's card in his pocket. It's this, like, really bad acting by Vinny, by the way. He's like, oh, oh, I got, oh, yeah. Oh. <laughs> he, like, picks up something and he looks at the card. Like, god damn it. That was the best take that you had. There was one take, Gabe. One take. There was one take. <laughs> <laughs> we have to do takes. We have to do it, yeah. <laughs> DB tape doesn't cost anything, dude. It's fucking cheap. <laughs> like, but the next scene is a bit inexplicable. Drug dealer woman is reaching into what appears to be a dumpster as we see a toothy vagina pushing out a gnome baby. <laughs> then she uses a syringe to suck the fluid out of the placenta and puts it in a paintball. Her drug capsules are apparently huge, by the way, and <laughs> shelves it for her next distribution. I don't know where to start on this one. It's just too much. And I need to tell you how this movie sets up the murders because <laughs> this is how it happens. But as Pervert asks Divinity if she wants a cup of coffee when she comes over in order for him to continue asking her about the BDSM community, we are treated to a long scene of him trying to make coffee only to reveal that he has two microwaves stacked on top of each other. Like, why? This is something that's like, it's such a simple little detail that I'm like, I have more questions. I have lots of more questions. Like, um, this isn't making it I any mean, better. If you're a bachelor, but you like to have women over, and all you have are, like, Jenny Craig dinners, <laughs> you need to microwave them at the same time so you can both eat at the same time. Dude, that is the saddest sense. scene <laughs> you've like, That is the saddest shit I've ever heard in my life. God damn, that's sad. Uh, but this scumbag actually microwaves an old cup of Starbucks to give to his guests. Like, yeah. what kind of sick shit is this guy into, man? This is disgusting. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if there's anything worse than, like, rancid old coffee. Oh, God. All right, so this is a little digression for a second, but I got to bring this up because this scene reminded me of something as I was watching it. When I was living with Matt, right, Matt had a really, really bad habit of 
not throwing shit away for a long time when we lived in that <laughs> shitty apartment off Maple. One day he brought home like a Starbucks cup and he left it in the middle of the table and it wasn't like it, it still had like a quarter of the cup left or whatever. And I wasn't about to throw it away because I was sick and tired of mad shit. And I was just like, I'm just going to leave it there to see how bad it gets and see how long it sits there. That motherfucker sat there for seven <laughs> months, dude. That cup was sitting on the coffee table for seven months. And I remember that when I, when I finally went to throw it away because I was tired of looking at it, I cracked the top of it. And there was a one inch thick lily pad of fucking, oh. fucking mold growing on top of it. <laughs> I had never seen anything like that in my life. I was like, wow, this is a fucking ecosystem unto itself living in this coffee cup on my coffee table. There was a lot of fucked up shit that happened in that apartment. Like when we were fighting for like five months about who was going to wash the dishes and they just didn't wash the dishes. <laughs> Speaking of coffee, Paul, this leads me to my sandwich beef of the week. Wait, 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 wait. Before we go into that, what was like my most annoying thing that I did when you lived with me? Uh, I mean, you would have a habit of leaving shit wherever you fucking left it, like piles of mail. That was one of the things that really got to me after some time period (laughs) is that you would leave the junk mail on the counter. We had that house that had the really wide counter off of uh, Esther. Yeah. And there was, like, a fucking mound of mail, like, <laughs> sitting on the fucking counter. And that was a big counter, dude. And it was, like, taking up space yeah, that yeah, we could use to cook. Yeah. And I was just like, I like what the to fuck? use every available square inch of cable <laughs> and counter space for whatever there is. Yeah, and then the fact that you didn't want to get a new couch after the dog had ripped the living fuck out of it. <laughs> there was just this this sectional with this torn up cushion that nobody would sit in that area, but it was just there. I fucking hated that too. That was that pissed me off. I made that couch last like another two or three years, I think. It wasn't until <laughs> I moved out of New Mexico that I finally got rid of that thing. <laughs> It was um, good enough. It was like a regular, it had enough regular couch space that it was adequate. No, I think I think the thing about <laughs> living with you that the, the, the only bad habit that you had about living with you is that you would focus in on something for a while, whatever that particular thing may be, and then you would like stop giving a shit about it, and there would be like piles <laughs> of shit like sitting around of random things that you had been into but are no longer into. But, like, I know that with me, you were pissed off that I wasn't cleaning my bathroom and there was, like, fucking speckles of 10-month-old piss, like, glued to the <laughs> lid of the fucking toilet. <laughs> mm. <laughs> that was pretty bad. Or the random broads that I was bringing over that weren't exactly, like, the best of people. That was a whole other <laughs> thing, too. <laughs> yeah, we don't have to go into that. <laughs> <laughs> but what else was annoying, like, when you were living with me? Like, what what annoyed you about being my roommate? I don't know. I would just fixate on something that would bother me and then just argue with you for, like, hours on end <laughs> on some stupid shit. <laughs> that was but more it... of an entertainment factor. <laughs> yeah, I think mean, so. Just, I'm bored. <laughs> Let's fucking fight. Whatever. I don't know. <laughs> uh, anyway, speaking of coffee, Paul, this leads me to my sandwich beef for the week. I'm going to take a little departure this week from sandwiches and talk about drinks, okay? Specifically, 
and more on par with the scene, I want to talk about breakfast drinks, okay? Anyone that knows me knows that I don't drink coffee. Like, mostly because coffee makes my breath what? stink like it. I don't drink coffee! You didn't know that? How the fuck do you not know that? You've known me for 19 years. How do you not know that I don't drink coffee? I just never noticed. When was the last time you saw a coffee cup in my hand? Ever. Yeah, I don't know. I can't recall, actually. Yeah, so... Anyway, so... Mostly I don't drink coffee because it makes my breath stink like a dead otter, but also because I don't particularly like the taste of coffee and caffeine isn't my drug of choice, which is actually nicotine and alcohol is my drug of choice, by the way. <laughs> that being said, this week I was really dragging at work on a particularly early morning and I took the advice of a friend to drink a matcha tea. Now look, I'm not going to go into the health benefits or benefits over coffee or even the spiritual nature origins and uses of matcha. I just want to talk about the taste and the consistency. I get my matcha tea brewed up at the local coffee shop in the area and I take my first sip and what I am greeted with was a drink whose consistency mostly resembles pond scum. Pond <laughs> scum or jizz floating in water. Like, the taste got me even worse than the consistency. To me, it tastes like algae. Like the kind of algae that forms if your water bottle is left in the sun for a week and there is a fine <laughs> film of almost kombucha-like shit floating in your water. And yes, to be clear, I fucking hate kombucha too. That oh, shit is gross. What the fuck is wrong with people that drink that shit? I got my kombucha brewing uh, on the counter over here. What? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, did you did you do that thing that like Matt did where he ordered the lily pad and he left it in the fucking drawer in the baggie and let it <laughs> fucking ferment and shit? <laughs> my wife bought me a kombucha kit for Christmas, so I'm uh, brewing my own right now. Is it oh. is it different than that, or is it like a baggie? No, it's got the yeah, it's got it's a baggie. I mean, whatever it's called. Damn it, I forget the name. The soba. I don't know. It's whatever. I don't. The pad. Oh, it's yes. a bacteria colony. Basically, you just put it in your jug of tea and let it sit there. Wait, wait. Okay, so wait, wait, wait for a second. This this is slightly different than what I knew kombucha to be. Is that I knew kombucha to be like a fucking lily or a fucking uh, mushroom cap that Matt ordered that he put in a bag with like the bacteria colony or whatever with a little bit of vinegar or whatever the fuck it was, water, Dang. and he let it sit in a bag and putrefy in a fucking drawer in the kitchen for like six months he left this shit there and i remember they like pulled it out to make it and he's like oh i'm gonna brew this shit now and it was like this baggie of brown diarrhea looking liquid with chunks floating in it and i was like why the fuck would you drink that what the fuck is wrong with you okay so there's like kombucha tea which i like which is just fermented tea, but then there's, like, kombucha made with mushrooms somehow. I don't know. I've tried that, and that shit's really gross. And so yeah, that's probably disgusting. what Matt was doing. Yeah, that was what Matt was doing. I, I don't, I don't <laughs> that's do that's that. all I knew that kombucha was. I didn't know about the kombucha tea. Yeah, you should try it sometime. Get some real kombucha tea. I think it's tasty. It's way more interesting than regular iced tea. What, like in the way that like a sour beer is interesting? Like yeah, that kind yeah of exactly. Yeah, exactly. Okay. A, lot, I mean, a lot of uh, unique flavors you can get out of it. So I haven't had the alcoholic kombucha either because I just avoid kombucha like altogether. I just don't give a fuck. Yeah, I'm not uh, like the heavily alcoholic ones. Not really a big fan of 
<laughs> it just tastes alcoholy and not that great. But yeah, no, I'll, I'll drink a kombucha. I like them. Okay. Well, anyway, so I tried, <laughs> I tried a second and a third sip of this matcha and even consulted on what I was supposed to look for in the taste and consistency after my friend, who is a huge fan of matcha, by the way, verified that the drink was indeed not sullied by an inexperienced barista. I even humored my friend by drinking more than half of it to no avail or improvement. <laughs> look, if you like matcha, fine. But if I was to drink pond scum or hot curdled <laughs> milk or even water out of the East fucking river, it would be an improvement upon the molestation that my palate endured at the hands of this medical waste of a drink. Go fuck yourself, matcha tea. You taste like someone strained the fungus from an otter's fur and passed it off as medicinal. Go fuck yourself. Matcha that I'm familiar with is like grass clippings. That's what it tastes like to me. And not really I my, thought it tasted like algae. I thought it was disgusting. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but let's get back to this movie. So, Divinity and the Perv info dump about some article that talked about him being in a psych ward. But why would the police be employing a photographer that is supposedly talented enough that he wrote a book that is a bestseller? And why would a newspaper, even a local rag, be writing about his time in a psych ward? Is this guy supposed to be the Ann Leibowitz of crime scene photos or something? And that's the reason why he's like a person of interest in a fucking newspaper? I'm confused by this. Yeah, I, I didn't get that either. Like, I don't think you're really allowed to, to publish your, your crime scene photo portfolio <laughs> book form but well okay so i will say that i do own a book of crime scene photos but it's like crime scene photos from the 30s and the 20s yeah yeah and it's kind of interesting actually i can't remember exactly what it's called but trip got it for me as like a random gift one year it's called like grave moments or something like that but it's like they took crime scene photos radically different back in those days it was almost like art you know what i mean like they had very specific compositions they weren't necessarily mm -hmm. going for evidentiary type shit but it's it's really interesting and then you know back then they were using the uh the large format cameras and whatnot rather than small yeah. 35 millimeter shit so like there's a tremendous amount of detail and like the depth of field is like insane in all of these yeah. photos but it's a really really beautiful book actually mm -hmm. I, sh I would recommend that to anybody i'm gonna have to get the name of it and post a picture of it on instagram or something but anyway so the perv reveals a crime scene photo on his wall that is his dead <laughs> wife whose boyfriend supposedly shot her in the face and then the scene was what sent him into the psych ward he got ptsd or whatever <laughs> but apparently not enough <laughs> not enough for him to have any sort of problems with having a photo of it printed out on the fucking wall and fucking frame so that way he can always remember what his dead wife's fucking exploded face looks like <laughs> every single day. But Divinity volunteers to show him the BDSM world, right? And he goes to a no underwear party where we meet drug dealer girl again randomly, and it is revealed that she is also Divinity's mistress. This is something I was very confused by. I was like, what the fuck? But... <laughs> 
Perv starts recording with his video camera, but just observing these acts doesn't educate him to the world. Like the power dynamics involved, or any other goddamn thing that is involved in the BDSM world, all he's doing is observing. Like he is a voyeur within a BDSM world, and I'm like, he's not learning a fucking thing. Like, how is this supposed to educate him on what is happening? I guarantee you, this guy looks like he's fucking, what, 40 years old? And he hasn't seen one woman spanking another woman while wearing leather. Like, that's the extent of his BDSM, like, <laughs> inclusion into this scene. And I'm like, dude, I saw that shit when I was, like, 16 yeah. at, like, the Being very a, latest. A crime scene photographer, he'd probably see a lot more kinky shit than, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. Probably gets uh, a call every other week to come get a guy's picture who accidentally passed out when he was hanging himself from a doorknob or something yeah, like that. Auto-erotic so. asphyxiation, yes. I think they just call that the David Carradine now. He David Carradine himself. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I made a joke about that to one of my coworkers <laughs> one time. They just looked at me and I was like, oh, yeah, it's probably not work appropriate. What? But. Seriously, dude? <laughs> come on. <laughs> I was talking at work the other day, I was talking about Japanese horror movies, and I was like, what was the Japanese horror movie where the girl gets the nipple clamps, and they pull her nipples out, and then they slice her nipples off with the fucking razor blade? <laughs> what was the, could... uh, the reaction to that? <laughs> he was Not like, oh, he's like, I know that movie, what movie was that? <laughs> Luckily, it wasn't somebody who was all fucked up like about it, and wasn't going to get pissed off, but... It's just like if if somebody heard that conversation out of context, it might have been <laughs> deemed as poor taste or whatever. But it was Ichi the Killer, dude. Like, how did I not remember um, Ichi the Killer? It's like a great moment in that movie. They're trying to torture her in order to find Kakihara, and they like grab her nipples and pull it out, and like takes the razor blade and cuts her nipples off. I remember watching that movie with you, and I was like, what the <laughs> fuck? <laughs> That movie's classic, man. I haven't watched that in a long time. Oh, dude, Maybe it's, it's so good. It's so time. good. You got to get the uh, the 15-year anniversary version of it or whatever that came out on Blu-ray because, like, Shock Factory re-scanned like, the negative or whatever, and it looks better than the Blu-ray that I have. It still looks like shit. It doesn't look great. It's not a great <laughs> yeah. transfer, but it, it looks better than the version that I have, and I was like, huh. Maybe I need to upgrade my Blu-ray of that. I'm still waiting for it to come out on 4K, by the way. I'm like, if, I, if that movie comes out on 4K, I will proudly display that shit. Because that movie is all <laughs> sorts of fucked up. But the perv shows up to the police station and they ridicule him for being late to a meeting we had no setup for. And a freelance photographer would not be employed by the cops, nor would he be brought in on the case in order to consult on a fucking meeting... <laughs> About the case. And then she starts screaming at him that he, like, is going to fuck up her case by his, like, <laughs> lack of concern. I'm like, wow, they are relying on this guy for a lot. But, dude, there is a boom yeah, mic. The, a boom the actress that plays the, uh, the CSI agent, and she, she has two notes, either screaming or screaming louder, I think. And... <laughs> That's all she, she wrote there. Those are good notes, man. It's good direction mm -hmm. right there. <laughs> there. There is a boom mic in this movie, though, at 35 minutes and 10 seconds in. Like, during this scene, there's a boom mic that gets into the frame at least four or five <laughs> inches. I'm like, bro! Oh, oh, I'm surprised they actually used boom mic for that. Yeah, yeah I know, right? It sounds awful, Using man. a shotgun mic <laughs> mounted on the camera or whatever. Right. But the next day... 
and Perv shows up to Divinity's house wearing the same clothes he was exhausted in the night before. Like, gross, man. Like, change your goddamn clothes, dude. <laughs> Perv says he wants to know about Bloodsport. I've never heard it called this before. I've only heard of it as blood play. I know it's a small thing, but every little bit counts. Like, calling it Bloodsport, I was like, Bloodsport as I know it is the fucking Jean-Claude Van Damme movie. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I think of Bloodsport. <laughs> there's a whipping chair right like he's looking at the whipping chair with divinity and a bag like he pushes the whipping chair with divinity and a bag <laughs> falls from the shelf above him hitting him in the head but the camera angle anticipates the fall before the bag falls like <laughs> it looks up and we see the bag and you can almost see like some dude in the background like pushing the bag yeah. off in order to hit him in the head. Like, this is some hack camera work, but besides fact. By the way, her, her carb tray is, is awful. Like I don't remember the carb tray. Weird. Oh, she makes BDSM furniture. Right, right, right yeah. And, yeah, like, oh, that's not going to hold up. And sure enough, they feature the chair later in the movie, and he, he easily breaks out of it. I want to get to that in a second, because... <laughs> That scene didn't make a lot of sense to me. But on the ground by the bag is a ball gag and broken paintball drugs, right? But he mentions nothing about this, and they put the bag up like it's no big deal. But Divinity goes to his house to show him the ways of BDSM to bad porn music, and yet she doesn't charge him for any of this shit, nor does she charge him for looking in on the previous scene with her mistress. Like, how does she support herself if she is giving herself away for free to anybody that asks about the BDSM yeah. world? I thought she was a prostitute, for sure, <laughs> but apparently she just likes him. Yeah, because... well, she starts a relationship with this fucking child molested looking guy, but... It's a quid pro quo relationship where she's getting information on murders from him and he gets to uh, see her tits. Her, I yeah. guess. But she presumably has sex with him. I don't know why exactly. This guy looks like a librarian that might be smacking it under the desk at your local public <laughs> library. <laughs> I don't get this. But we see another BDSM scene where a couple is seen unwrapping a package which yeah. has a... <laughs> There's a library that's like a block away from my house, right? And it was always scary to walk by it because all the crazy homeless drug dealers would hang right, out in right, front right, of it yeah. and or inside, presumably like whacking it off with computers on internet right. porn. But since the pandemic started... They don't have any in-person, like, the library's been closed for, like, a year now or whatever. So there aren't any of these crazy characters. And so suddenly that part of the neighborhood is, like, really safe and nice. Wow. Crazy. So. You know, the public library, I I liked the public library when I was younger. But as I started getting older into my teens, I was acutely aware of, like, how fucking disgusting the public library was. (laughs) Especially in downtown Albuquerque, the one that's on, like... Roma and Seventh or whatever it is, but just covered in semen. Semen everywhere. (laughs) There's splatters everywhere of unknown substances that I do not (laughs) want to know what they are. (laughs) But anyway, so we see another BDSM scene where a couple is seen unwrapping a package which has a punk dressed up as a suckling pig. We reveal some blood play as the gnomes appear and rip the couple apart. But all I can think of is. What the fuck? Like, I'm not trying to kink shame here, but, like, a suckling pig? Like, what the fuck is happening here? Like, Everyone's got their... I guess. I guess, but... 
Dude, all right. So, like, do whatever you want. You know, I, I always say this. You know, as long as it's safe, consensual, and legal, do whatever the fuck you want. I don't care. Get crazy. You know, cover yourself in peanut butter and get spanked by five sh- little people <laughs> as you're, like, eating a fucking bag of shit. I don't know, but, like, whatever does it for you, fine. But you know, at this, a certain this point... This movie does have a, a good message in that later in the movie at the climax at the blood sport party where all these people are invited to get in the door you have to present a clear std test and i'm like oh, right well, that's, right that's yes really that, actually yes you are I'm, I'm not even joking that is actually a really good point paul like that is that is very very that's very very sex positive i was happy that at least there was that but again you know i mean i i, I always have this question okay like for people with really extreme kinks out there I always wondered, how do you go from, like, your first experience, which is inevitably vanilla in some sort of way, you know, like, it's just vanilla sex, whatever it may be, whether it's vanilla gay or vanilla straight or whatever sex, how do you go from that to being like, you know what I really like is sitting under a glass table and having a chick sit on it and shit onto the glass. Ta- like, how do you go to that? You know, like, how does it get to that point? I really, I really I want know. to know how these evolutions take place. Because, like, everybody has their own kinks, and I have my own kinks that, it, like, I know how I got to them, but they aren't so fucking bizarre that I'm like, wow, you know, like, what, what happened? How can my dick not get hard unless there's, like, human fecal matter involved? You know what I mean? fucking bizarre but i'm gonna move on so maybe it's a happy accident at some point you know somebody shits on you accidentally yeah it's okay you're like oh wow that may be harder okay let's take this in a new direction that is an important point uh inevitably kinks come up because of happy accidents but i feel like big presentations like this end up you have to look for this kind of shit in order to have like these big presentations of something. You know what I mean? It's not something you just accidentally stumble into. <laughs> Maybe that's my own experience. You accidentally have like the pig costume in your closet and you're like, you know, you know what gets me hard? With this. <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck? Like role playing night went wrong one day and all he had was the pig costume. Anyway, so per per. <laughs> Perv drives to another crime scene with infrared film in his camera. But in the back seat, we see an invisible gnome opening up his camera and taking the film out, right? (laughs) And when he arrives at the crime scene, he snaps away but doesn't check the film after 24 exposures. All the gnomes know how to do is kill and maim. But how do they but now know they're how like to covering the shit? Yeah, I know, dude. What the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, but they do know how to instant message, so they do have uh, some okay. sort of technology. Uh, I guess so that's really fine. smart. That's fine. Okay. Wouldn't he have more than one roll of film? Like that's the thing that I'm really confused <laughs> about. And if he only snapped 24 exposures of infrared film at the crime scene, like he's a bad fucking photographer, man. Like. Okay, so this is random, but like I knew a girl that was a forensic investigator, right? And crime scene photographers snap thousands of pictures on every fucking crime scene. It is not just one roll or maybe 20 or all the cliff notes or whatever. It is the whole kit and caboodle. Every (laughs) little goddamn detail is documented. And this guy, I mean, he doesn't take but 24 shots. He's like, okay, I'm done. Fuck you. Like wanders (laughs) off. What a dickhead. But the black detective shows up to Divinity's house, right? 
wearing a chest holster that is way too small for him and a shirt <laughs> that looks like he raided his dad's wardrobe. But the investigator offers to help drug dealer girl with her giant box, and as he strains to lift it, he steps onto a paintball drug and has to pull out his ready-to-go evidence bag with the same in it in order to compare it on site, all while being completely oblivious to her stance, actions, or anything as she beats the living shit out of him in probably the worst fight scene that I've ever seen in my life. This is a real problem, because, like, so if you have a drug that is coming in a paintball, right, a clear paintball, how many other drugs on the street are in paintballs? If you see it on the floor and it looks like it has some sort of substance in it, you're not going to pull out the other paintball that you like have ready to go just in case the evidence bag is in your fucking pocket to compare it to the other paintballs. Like, you know what it looks like. What the fuck? <laughs> but somehow this tiny girl is able to beat up this guy with a very little effort and overpower a man who is much larger than her. This is really, really bad work, by the way, because I'm just like, okay, they're cutting around the clear problems in the blocking here, and it just looks like shit. I mean, there's a way you can film that that makes it seem plausible, but uh, this movie fails on every instance. I want to bring up real quick, just popped into my head, one of the most disturbing takedowns of anybody that I've seen in my life in a horror movie, okay, was in the first Texas Chainsaw Massacre, right? The first time that they reveal Leatherface after the teens are in the, in the fucking house, Leatherface slides the fucking sliding door open, and he just whacks this guy on the head with a mallet, <laughs> right? And this guy is just, like, laying there, and he's fucking twitching, He's twitching like a fucking like cow that just got shot in the head and he drags him in and slams the door shut. It's like 10 seconds. It's not a long scene, but just that little moment of violence is so goddamn disturbing to me because that that's real shit, man. Like real violence happens like that. It's not these drawn out fucking cinematic no. moments where you see this shit. It's very brutal and it's very disgusting. And this movie tries so hard to be something interesting. I'm like, just, you're low budget, man. Toby Hooper shot the original Texas Chainsaw on a fucking budget of like 200 grand. Like, he had no money, and he was shooting it on the worst film stock that he could get his hands on, but he made <laughs> a great movie, you know? Yeah. Fucking insane. But as the perv finds himself back at the police station, the fucking investigator starts screaming out at him as if her entire case hangs on his pictures. And since the gnomes fucked with the film, her case is fucked, and they begin to think he is responsible for the murders. <laughs> this is one of those things that is just like, it's this midpoint turnaround that somebody had read Save the Cat by Sid Field, and they're like, oh, we need to put this fucking scene in there. But they didn't know what the scene actually was before they got into it. But cut back to his apartment as the phone rings on the floor, not six feet from him, and he wanders around saying in a monotone voice, not acting, where's the phone? Where's the phone? I don't know, dude. Maybe follow the fucking ringing that you were hearing and look directly in front of you, you jerk off. Like This is one of those little moments that bad movies are made up of a bunch of tiny moments that are horrible. There's not like one moment that you're like, oh, god damn. Except maybe in the case of Wind Talkers, which Nicolas Cage completely fucks that movie up with one line. <laughs> In the, do you remember that movie? Did you see Wind Talkers? Uh, yeah, I don't think I've actually seen the whole thing. But there's this moment where he, he gets too overwhelmed by what he's tasked to do, and he grabs this guy and throws him against the wall, and he's like, 
God damn it. I can't perform my duty. And it's such a horrible line that I'm like, oh my god. He fucks up the whole movie with one line. I just watched Face Off recently. And classic. I mean, that, that's classic. a classic right there. But that's a Nick Cage. What happened with Wind Talkers that John Woo and Nick Cage can pull out? I don't know, man. I don't know. I don't know. There's so much violence in that movie that's, like, well done. Like, it's all this John Woo type shit and ultra-violent, like, war movie type shit. But it's Nick Cage's performance. Like, I don't know how that happened. But, no, I mean, John Woo fucked that movie up. But it's not It's not above a great director from Asia to fuck up a, a movie with decent actors. You know, like, Ang Lee's yeah. Hulk is an excellent example of that. <laughs> but... Anyway, the bird's eye shot of this scene shows the invisible gnomes running around in his apartment, right? As we cut to the dream of him with a fucking man bun engrossed in his work and not showing his clearly too hot for him wife any affection driving her into the arms of her would-be lover, right? This is one of the scenes that got focused in on every one of the reviews is how great this scene is of him beating up the blood gnomes. (laughs) (laughs) Punching the puppets. Do yeah. they even have articulating mouths or no? Call them do- no, yeah, they're, they, they're like stiff as shit, dude. They're <laughs> terrible. But he wakes up from his dream and shocks himself with the taser to keep himself <laughs> awake because that's the best way to stay awake. Huh. If you've ever been shocked by a taser, that is not a great way to stay awake. (laughs) But how is it the divinity and the perv become such fast friends and fuck buddies to the point that she shows up unannounced to his home when he doesn't answer her phone calls? Like, was there character development somewhere in here that I missed? (laughs) But she says she has a thing for him before she leaves and tells him to get some sleep where she info dumps on some party they're going to that is by invitation only, right? Maybe this is some sort of like fucking eyes wide shut setup, right? But they cut back to the Dom drug dealer torturing and letting the gnomes chew on the cop (laughs) as we cross cut to perv IMing the gnomes. I, I want to reiterate this. He is IMing with the gnomes in this scene. And as soon as he types, she replies, come in instantaneously despite the messages being pretty long. Like, this is bad prop work, right? Like, he types these little short messages, and then there's like this paragraph that's replied in an instant. And I'm like, it takes time to like type shit, you know? Like, give me, give me that moment where like the icon pops up and the little ellipsis is going, so that way there's a little bit of tension on what they're gonna say. Not only do the gnomes know how to pull film out of a camera, but they're also able to type at 200 words a minute. It's yeah, pretty good. yeah, it's great with their tiny little hands. <laughs> <laughs> the gnomes attack Perv in his home, and somehow his super sophisticated VHS that is capturing all of this evidence. <laughs> stops and records over the tape in the middle of recording i was confused by this moment because he's like oh no i got that the gnomes were fucking with it and they were purposefully erasing the tape before attacking i guess that makes more sense they're invisible even though they seem to go between invisible and then like predator like silhouette mode yeah. I'll show that. I just, I guess they couldn't figure out the the effect for that, or too lazy, <laughs> or they couldn't figure out the rules of what they were doing. Rules in your film are extremely important. <laughs> like you need to stick to the rules that you created. If you're gonna give me this alternate reality, like 
stick to the rules, please. Like, yeah. That's all I ask. You gotta do just like one or two alternate rules, and then everything else can be, you know, reality. But yeah. <laughs> you know, you gotta stick with something, some sort of basis. Don't like constantly shift this shit all over the place. <laughs> But that's not before the perv fights the gnomes and stabs and beats them to death, including a gnome nutshot. Because, again, <laughs> only the best movies have nutshots. <laughs> but perv literally licks the blood from his wounds because that's nice and gross. And apparently we need to see this moment. But it does set up the moment near the end where they're like, the reason why he can see them is because yeah. he licked their blood off of the knife. Blood gnomes. Blood gnomes. the name of the movie. All right. So quick question <laughs> on how this works. So, like, if the blood gnomes kill people, right? and presumably they cut them up in small enough pieces that they can carry them in order to feed them to mother. Like, are the gnomes just feeding off the blood? Because it doesn't seem like the gnomes are eating like eat anything. body or anything like that. Works. Well, I mean, how do, like, you know, the soldier ants eat when they have to take all the food back to the queen? I thought soldier ants just die. Just... That was the whole thing. Oh, they well, only no, I mean, they, they have to eat something. I think they just get a nibble here and there while they're right. bringing back giant giant bugs to <laughs> the hive or whatever. I don't know. I guess I guess that could be it. I mean, maybe they get a little nibble of somebody here and there, and that's what happens. <laughs> but he takes his super important video to discount Seth Rogen, and Seth makes fun of Perv Guy with references to bestiality. <laughs> if this is a throwaway joke between friends, this guy obviously must be into some Perv shit, and it makes me have even more questions about <laughs> what kind of people this guy's hanging out with. I wondered why he didn't immediately make a copy of this video or 10 copies. I don't know, man. I mean, it's, a, it's a good we question. We know the answer because the script. <laughs> well, <laughs> so. the the internet exists in this, so why wouldn't he just upload it to the internet for it to be out there? Because no, I mean, this is like, like dial-up. Plus, actually converting that video to digital would take like 40 hours <laughs> yeah, exactly. just just to get it onto your computer i mean jesus uh, people true. even edit shit back in the day man god no man i mean walter merch edited like what was it i think it was cold mountain he edited in 2002 on one of the first versions of final cut on like the shittiest computer and i'm just like how the fuck? Like, what the fuck? Like, how did you get through that? But anyway, so Divinity puts Perv to sleep and she gets attacked, but the gnomes and, or by the gnomes, and dragged away as they knock Perv out and stage a crime scene, right? Complete with a terrible mirror prop of the black cop's head on a chair and a small steak knife in his hand. So. That's classy. Yeah, it classy. <laughs> But he decides to run back to his apartment as the police scanner that he has broadcasts everything over the wire, right? Just in case we need to know in explicit detail all the details of the case. <laughs> so, like, police scanners, if you've ever listened to a police scanner, they don't work like that. It comes in quick codes and call signs to keep the airwaves clean. Man. Yeah. yeah, it's fucking unbelievable. I mean, I remember listening to a police scanner, and I had to look up everything that they were saying because it was all basically code. Like, every once in a while, I would hear, like, something that I understood, but it was, like, maybe one out of every ten calls <laughs> I understood. Yeah. yeah. It's like, what the fuck? 
But how many times do we see the backlight or lighting in the frame of this movie? I know this camera work sucks, but this is like the guy hired high school students to make this movie or something <laughs> like that. But his friend shows up and he asks to borrow his car. And when the guy says no, he socks him in the mouth and takes his car, but then asks, wait, you're going to defend me, right? And then the dude fucking agrees to help because apparently being punched in the face and your car being stolen oh, is not enough for someone to be pissed off at you and tell you to go fuck yourself. <laughs> so I came up to you and punched you in the face and was like... And took my car? I, just, I need your car for this crime that I didn't commit. What would you say? I mean, I would tell you to go fuck yourself, <laughs> but I would tell you to go fuck yourself even worse if you asked me, Hey, Gabe, are you going to defend me in a court of law? <laughs> No, no, motherfucker! You tell me you did everything. It's like that shit with D and uh, and it's always sunny in Philadelphia, where she's like sitting on the witness stand and she's like, "Okay, fine, yeah, they did it. I fucking lied in my statement. Fuck these guys." <laughs> but do we cut to the interior of the party and we see what appears to be a ton of wannabe porn actors engaging in various BDSM activities? These filmmakers must have been involved in porn. Like, there is no other explanation that makes sense on how this movie <laughs> turned out this shitty. There is a green screen shot in this movie. Of all the shit that they could have done in this movie, there is a green screen shot of the perv's car as he drives to the party. And it is the worst shit that I've ever seen in my life. Like, this is middle school quality <laughs> filmmaking of the driving angle matched with the camera angles for the plates. Like, the green screen is fuzzy and there's a ton of noise on the edges. This has to have been edited in Windows Media Maker, Windows Media <laughs> Player, whatever the fuck. But, dude, Dom drug dealer girl cuts open some dude's stomach, which is a good makeup effect, by the way. I want to just give that out there real quick. For, for a budget of $12,000 and she slices the dude's guts yeah, open. Yeah, that's pretty cool. You see it? Yeah, it's good. But That's the only one. It's the only one. Yeah. <laughs> they dumped all the money on that. But yeah. she cuts open this dude's stomach despite being on all fours. This guy falls over. He lands on all fours, but his guts don't spill out, even though we saw clearly that the cut had gone through all of the meat and the fat. Like, his intestines would be on the floor at this moment. It would have been awesome, by the way. If they, Dude. If they, it's not that hard. You go to the butcher. You get some sausage casings. Remember when we did that, yeah, dude? Yeah, yeah. It's awesome. That was good shit. I actually liked that shot. Like when you're ripping your when uh, when Trip is ripping your gut out and like we see the intestines <laughs> pulling out. It's good. I liked it. I really did like it. It looked good. I'm sad that that hard drive fucking took a shit and I never was able to do anything with that movie. But the gnomes attack the party goers and the biker dude shoots wildly into the darkness, <laughs> all with flash frames. The shittiest low budget technique, <laughs> despite it being present in the $40 million movie, The Happening. I love all the stock screams that they use in this movie. Like right. everyone comes These are from, all like YouTube like, sound effects. Bro. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Classic. But despite Perv's slam piece being tied up, Dom telling him that she's going to kill him, then Dom monologuing on the entire process of how she gets more sacrifices and makes new blood gnomes, Perv never tries to escape his chair, even though Divinity showed him in the previous scene how to break out of it. Like, what the fuck is he waiting for? Like, seems like he has ample opportunity to stop this, but he doesn't. This is that problem I was saying earlier, is that she shows him how the chair, like, breaks off. That way, if he reaches his limit in a code word situation, that he can break the fucking arms off and he can get out of it. 
But I'm like, dude, oh, he's man. sitting I was there totally just not paying waiting. attention to that scene. I just thought yeah. it was shitty carpentry. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> no, she says that like if you get too far over your head in this BDSM community, you just yank the chair in a particular way and that's your way of getting out of it, you know, like if you're having too much. I'm like he knows that going into this, but he's still sitting there <laughs> in the chair letting people get fucked up by these gnomes and he isn't doing anything about it. I'm like, dude, what is it? Does he know or does he not know? Like, what the <laughs> fuck? But, dude, the placenta. Like, what is a horror movie without a good placenta? Like, come on. <laughs> All right, so side note. I, I just got to bring this up for a second. When your child is born, are you going to do the Tom Cruise thing or is your wife going to do the Tom Cruise thing where you freeze the placenta and you, like, make it into pills and shit like that? I don't know. I mean, there's lots of things you could do. You can, like, fry it up with an omelet. I know, dude. What the <laughs> <It's> fuck? <fucked> <laughs> what? What now, did I see? Are... I saw a cooking program about that. What the fuck? No, no, yeah. no. It was um, it was the TV show Servant by M Night Shyamalan, which is good by the way. It's on Apple TV Plus. But he like takes the placenta of their kid and like chops it up and makes uh, croquembouche with it. That's what he makes. He makes croquembouche with it. And I was like, what the fuck? Like, okay, so <laughs> if the woman who birthed the placenta eats it. Isn't that a form of like self cannibalism because it's a human organ? You know what I mean? Yeah, I don't know. It's really gross, and I wouldn't do that. <laughs> We're gonna donate ours to medical science or something like that. <laughs> Thank God! Thank yeah. God! You're not even at least the tiniest bit curious on eating human flesh because that's your only opportunity to eat not, human flesh. Not my own genetic flesh for sure. I don't know. <laughs> it's, it's weird. So if it was somebody else's genetic flesh, you might be into mm -hmm. it, is what you're saying? I don't know. Only if they looked tasty, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's always been something that's been in the back of my mind over the years is like, what would it take for me to eat something that I know was a human like piece of meat? And if I was presented with that, would I eat it out of strange curiosity? <laughs> I don't know if everybody has this thought, but this is something that's been on through my mind for like the last 10 years, at least the last 10 years. That's not something you'd think about, right, Paul? Not on a daily basis, no. <laughs> well, I mean, it's not a daily basis for me either. <laughs> Okay, uh, just making sure. Just making sure. Yeah. So the perv finally decides to extricate himself from the chair and bashes the dom on the back of the head. But she still doesn't get knocked out. <laughs> like she starts Indiana Jones whipping him with the final mono a mono fight scene, complete oh, with yeah. kung fu low angles and rabbit punches. I was confused by this whole thing. But it's so bad. <laughs> so yeah. bad. But Perv finally subdues Dom and punches her several times, and this girl still isn't knocked out. Like, this girl can take a fucking punch, man. Like, he's beating the living Christ out of her, and she's still not knocked out. But Perv finally body slams the Dom into the buffet table. Is <laughs> is legendary, bro. Well, like, <laughs> what's an orgy without a buffet without table, a right? Buffet, yes. <laughs> oh my god, it's like one of my favorite things, and it's always sunny. Is fucking like Frank, like eating from the buffet table when they're at the orgy, and Dennis is looking around. And he's like, "This isn't what the fuck." Like, he's like, "No, I come here for the food, man. You think these shrimps are like fresh? You think they came from a bag?" But Dom gets grabbed by Mother in the crate and dragged to her death as Divinity kisses Perv and we reveal the crate has a hole in the bottom of it and that Mother is gone in the earth. Tunnels as we zoom into CGI tunnels that would make Super Mario Brothers blush. 
Yeah, that CGI is quality right there. Jeez. Where's Blood Gnomes 2, man? Like, that's what I want to know. Where's Blood Gnome 2? Maybe we need to start a Kickstarter and uh, <laughs> into reality. Oh, God. But, dude, okay, so we zoom in as we roll credits, right, over the, the fucking tunnel or whatever that Mother has made. But I, I have a real question here. Like, this movie has multiple gnomes. So why is it called Blood Gnome Singular? <laughs> like, that's what I really want to know. Yeah, I don't know. And then, like, the, the mother creature is, I think she's too large to be a gnome. Yeah. So, yeah. I, I don't know. I don't even think it has any real gnomes in it. <laughs> it's bullshit. Dude, someone paid to make this movie. <laughs> someone paid for this. And people paid for this on DVD to at least rent it. My wife, somebody in my wife's group of friends, paid to rent this from Blockbuster and watch it. I just, I don't have any words for this movie, Paul. Like, But like I said, by the time that I got to the end of it, I just felt like I every good taste thing that was in my mind had been assaulted by this trash, like this utter garbage of trash. Like, it really is. So in terms of stacking this up, stack this up against Kazam or Cats or Gigli or any of the other really terrible movies that are on the bottom 100. Would you stack this up as being amongst that crowd or? See, it's not in the same class. This is like amateur porn stars versus actual people who have made successful movies in Hollywood (laughs) and decided to make a hugely bad decision on a terrible <laughs> movie, you know. Right. It's like it's a different different league here, you know, not even the same ballpark. This is Bush League psychos. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, you can shit on it, but twelve grand, I don't know. I mean most of that went for the tits and yeah. nothing else. Yeah. yeah. I mean I can't say if I made a horror movie for twelve grand that it would be any better than this. <laughs> You know, I, I feel like if I made a horror movie, I would make it a little more serious than this. You know, like I wouldn't make it as fucking like, I, I don't know if this movie's trying to make fun of itself or what. That's the weirdest thing about the tone of this movie. I'm not sure if it knows that it's a B schlock movie because there's too much in it that they try to play straight. And I, yeah, I just I don't, don't understand. Because if this movie just embraced what it was and was just like, you know, trying to do an Evil Dead 2 thing where they're like, well, we made a movie that was too serious before. Let's make something that's like making fun of itself throughout the entire movie. This may have actually been gold, like Troll 2, you know what I mean? But this is something else. This is something that I'm not exactly sure what it was trying to be. It was like trying to be a real horror movie, even though it wasn't. It's a piece of shit made by amateur pornographers. Let's just call it that. (laughs) That's exactly what it is. <laughs> so, Paul, looking forward to next week, man. What what what's been ringing on your doorstep recently? Like, what's been sticking out at you that you've been wanting to tackle or been thinking about? Well, I mean, I, I'm still still learning more about all of the uh, the Shining conspiracies, <laughs> but I don't think I'll be able to get to that next week. So, here's the question, Paul. Mm. Given all your research into the Shining, do you believe yeah. that the moon landing was faked? No, I think it was Stanley Kubrick fucking with people that thought he faked the moon landing. I think so, too, because I think Stanley was smart <laughs> enough in order to do that, like, actually be self-referential in that way, you know? And, like, I, I think that that's one of the more enjoyable yeah. things about Stanley is that he was she, such like, a... 
intelligent there's, filmmaker. There's a documentary. It's basically someone with a home movie camera, like following around Jack Nicholson or Stanley Kubrick when they were making the movie. Huh. And they were just like, they were writing the script day by day. <laughs> and so all of this, all of these conspiracy theories like hinge on the fact that Stanley Kubrick was the most, you know, controlling and precise filmmaker ever. And every square inch of screen space on every frame is on purpose. Yeah. And you watch this documentary about how they actually made the film. And you're like, yeah, that doesn't, none of that jives. (laughs) Like a lot of it, sure. It's on purpose, but a lot of it is just, filmmaking putting it together and working with what you filmed and editing together or what you have that's and so bizarre to me because stanley was such a perfectionist you know like and especially as he got older he was such a perfectionist like every little detail mattered you know like that was the whole thing about eyes wide shut that he did that pool scene 197 times with tom cruise <laughs> A lot of it is by the seat of the pants, and I'm sure a lot of it, you know, there's like a hundred takes on one specific reaction. But I think most of it, that kind of shit, was he was focusing on the performance right. and getting whatever he wanted out of the actor and not whether or not a chair was in the background and <laughs> then someone from the set decorating department took it away between takes. And right. that was on purpose. No, it's just like yeah. <laughs> right. It's interesting. It's interesting. I, I, I'm interested but, to hear oh this. Episode, There's but. so many fucking, so many conspiracy theories. It's ridiculous, ridiculous, <laughs> and it's kind of melting my brain. Honestly, like it's the same people that are you know part of the QAnon thing. <laughs> you know, they're like, oh look, this this scene is exactly two hundred and. 37 seconds long if you if you take away seven seconds for the seven pictures on the wall in this frame but not this other frame because that frame is two seconds plus three plus seven <laughs> seconds away from that right. it all makes sense Jesus. Right, right, yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't know. I, that's all that's always the way that i've sort of viewed the shining with the fan reactions to it is i'm just like <laughs> jesus christ <laughs> we're really digging at this point like come on <laughs> room 237 did grab me though you know i mean that. oh yeah no there's I, a lot of great stuff in that movies and there's a lot of interesting conspiracy theories that could hold some weight so yeah. we'll talk about those but uh, there's a lot all right of so in terms of shitty too. movies that you you want to tackle like uh what, what what's on what's on the gamut here that you wanted to take a look right. at need to get out of the 2000s out of the okay. 90s we can either go like more recent or back in time 80s 70s 60s something <laughs> like that do you want to tackle like Monos, the hands of fate? Because I can't, you know, like that was 67. Oh, I can't do that. Uh, yeah, I don't think I could do that either. Or Plan 9 from Outer Space by Ed Wood. <laughs> you know, like, there's always that. You know, an Ed Wood movie might be fun. Ed but, Wood's uh, good, man. I mean, I, I, there's something about Ed Wood that's just, he knows that he's making an awful movie and he was such an adult <laughs> that he didn't understand like filmmaking. And, <laughs> Well, all right, so you said avoid the 2000s, uh, maybe something more recent. I mean, do you want to look at 
Waterworld, or are you talking about like even more recent? Love Waterworld. I know you love Waterworld. <laughs> it's a terrible movie, man. Terrible movie. Waterworld and Cutthroat Island. Those are both good candidates. I mean, you know me well enough, but like, especially given my reaction with uh, with Step Brothers, like, would Eurovision be something that I would that you think I would shit on nonstop? Or I think it's actually more uh, what's the word that I'm looking for? Genuine. Then Will Ferrell comedies and it's <laughs> less comedy and some drama instead. Right. So, dude, did you see that they're doing another fucking Mighty Ducks movie? Uh, why not? Why not? It's gonna be on Disney it? Plus fairly soon, and Emilio <laughs> Estevez is in it for Christ's sake. <laughs> God damn Mighty you, Ducks Five: A New Generation. I can't remember what it's called. It does have some stupid little like denouement after the title or whatever the fuck. I don't remember what it's called though. But there is a new Mighty Ducks movie that I saw. Like I scrolled through YouTube and I saw that there was a trailer for, and I was just like, oh fuck! And like fucking Emilio Estevez is in the thumbnail, and I was like, oh god damn it! Like no. Please no. Yeah, Mighty Ducks too. It's a classic right there. <laughs> so you want to stay out of the late '90s? So even something like Sphere is no good. Oh man, yeah, that's a real bad one right there. Mm. Wait, so you hate Brave Little Toaster? Is that what I'm understanding? No, I think it's genius, but goddamn, it's fucking traumatizing for children. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> goddamn, <laughs> I like it, man. I thought it was fucking yeah, good. I dig it too. Uh, I haven't seen it in a long time. Neither but, have uh, I. Oh, what what if we throw it way back and we do Caligula? We could go after Malcolm McDowell oh for a God. while. Caligula. Uh, yeah, that there's a lot of meat and uh, flesh to that movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so if I, if, I, if, if I, I would sit <laughs> through that and watch it, oh God. <laughs> It is a lot to deal with. So, yeah. if I was to toss it up between Caligula on the list and an Ernest movie, which one would you go after? <laughs> What's your favorite Ernest movie? I don't even remember, man. I saw him when I was a kid. I want to say, like, Ernest, Ernest goes to jail, maybe? or uh, Yeah, that's a good one. He gets electrocuted in the electric chair, and then he turns into a magnet. Or something. I don't remember. <laughs> I, I literally do not remember those movies, dude. Like they I remember that I saw them, but I do not remember them. Like they're that forgettable or I just don't yeah. fuck. <laughs> Poor Jim Barney, man. Are we gonna shit on a dead man's grave? Yeah, let's do Caligula, knocking down. He's still alive, man. Yeah, he's still alive. Right, he's good, working good. like a motherfucker, dude. <laughs> Dude, he's in the fucking Nick Frost thing on IMDb or on uh the, the on uh I mean, he's the dad. Uh, he's dead. Yeah. What, yeah. What's the name of that again? Yeah. Truth Seekers. Truth Seekers. Truth That's Seekers. The name of it. Yeah. yeah. I dig that man. You know, I, th I thought it was great. So <laughs> I'd uh, watch the second season of that shit. It's good. Good in the same vein as like X Files or something like that. Yeah. Yeah, um, I dig it. Are we doing the extended I pornographic can't. version? I, or? I can't. <laughs> All right, well, yeah, hang on. Let's, let's see. Let's see. I'd rather not do that one. <laughs> Can't do it. Yeah, it's like three hours, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it's three and a half hours, dude. It's, it's like half hours. shitty, shitty porn movie, and then the rest of the movie. <laughs> the director's cut is harder to find, though. Like I. Oh yeah. It's act Oh wait, here's the uncut version. Hang on. The uncut version is two hours and thirty six minutes. 
The uncut version is not what I want to sit through. So the uncut version has the dildo swings. The, the oh, okay. director's well, cut. Actually, good. <laughs> the three-hour and twenty-minute director's cut or whatever is the one that we found from Netflix when they were still doing yeah, okay. DVDs, and that yeah, one. Yeah, not that one. Tackle. Yeah, that's too much. All right. So, do you want to do the two-hour and thirty-six-minute? Yeah, that sounds fine. I'd One rather minute. do the unrated version than the R-rated version because the R-rated version yeah. cuts out too much of the bullshit that makes it a terrible yeah. movie. <laughs> <laughs> All right, yeah. As long as it's not three and a half hours, I'm fine with that. <laughs> all right, all right. We'll we'll tackle Caligula next week and we'll see what happens. We'll push off Terminator Salvation for a while because, goddamn, like it's it's. I mean, it already passed, dude. 2018 already happened, and Skynet didn't take over, so. <laughs> They fucked that up. How did? Why did they only put that movie nine years into the future? Like I knew that it was going to be like alternate reality or whatever the fuck. Uh, but I'm like, give you the sense of impending doom more. Than I mean, 2018 Trump. was in the middle of Trump's presidency, and the yeah, shit got dark yeah. real quick in 2018. <laughs> but there wasn't any sort of intelligence to be had during that time period yeah. that could have produced Skynet. You know, it was mostly Q and I and cocksuckers running around. <laughs> Thank you guys once again for joining us. This is the Movie Dicks Podcast. That was the 2004 movie Blood Gnome, which is on YouTube, by the way, <laughs> uploaded by the fucking director, by the way, so it's not like fucking copyright infringement or whatever. He wanted people to see this. He actually wanted people to see this. I don't know why, but <laughs> do not watch this movie. This movie is just an assault on all things that are decent and it's it's just an offensive offensive but not offensive in the way that like Gili is offensive it's just offensive in terms of like good taste i could be doing something better with my life than watching this fucking movie <laughs> anyway so thank you guys once again for joining us i this is the movie dicks podcast i am gabriel chavez and i'm paul Shepard. we'll talk to you guys later thank you have a good night